0: Hello, welcome back again to Let's Talk About It with Big Co. Talking about newsworthy stuff that's going on in the world. We got a great show for you today. Um, we're going to be talking about an old topic. We're going to talk about the Holocaust, and we're going to talk about 9-11 and the similarities. Um, so let me get rid of the music. And we'll get started. Okay, so we're going to start with 9-11. I don't know if you remember, but a couple days before 9-11 started, there was an announcement made by Donald Rumsfeld. Sorry about that. There was an announcement made by Donald Rumsfeld. And here's the announcement. That's not it. Here it is right here. My bad. 2.3 trillion. Okay. So... $2.3 trillion came up missing out of the budget of the Pentagon. Nobody knows where it went. Right? A couple days later, an airplane... Well, hold on. Let me back up. They convened a task force to discover what happened to this money. And a couple of days later, a so called airplane flew through the window of the office where the task force was meeting and killed everybody in the task force. That's a coincidence, right? No, it wasn't. There is a lady, and I believe her name is Julie Morant, Judith Morant, and she put the pieces together and she solved 9-11 like back in 2016, 2017. But nobody was talking about it. Okay. So there were some photographs taken in the World Trade Center a couple of weeks before this happened. Maybe, maybe a month or so before this happened. And they were boxes from, they were just stacked up and stacked up. Well, she went and she got the numbers off the boxes and she traced those boxes back to Dick Cheney's company. Um, I can't recall the name of it right now, but Dick Cheney's company is the one who manufactured those boxes. And what they were is they were they were charges. Yeah, they were charges. They were like the caps for the explosives. And it was like, man, if you saw the picture, it was like a thousand of these boxes in the, stacked up in the um World Trade Center, right? Okay. So, in the period, and I'm reading this from the article, in the period leading up to 9-11, a group of Israelis, not dual U.S. citizens, managed to secure temporary construction passes to perform work on the 91st floor of Larry Pullitt Silverstein's leased World Trade Center. One. These passes gave them access to the entire uh, World Trade Center complex. The present, the pretense was an art project called The B Thing. The group is called Gelatin. Note that the pass was valid for weekends. And then they show a picture of a pass that shows that they had complete access to both buildings. After securing their passes, Gelatin proceeded to remove the heavy World Trade Center windows of an office space On the 91st floor because that's where they had all the boxes and stuff stacked up on a vacant floor on the 91st floor and reportedly constructed a prefab balcony outside of the building they then stretched putty around the window and filmed it by helicopter as a stunt shown here and you can see that stunt um if you want to go and look it up it's at winterwatch.net forward slash 2021 forward slash 09 um world trade center infamous 91st floor israeli art student project dash two okay continuing on on august 18 2001 the new york times even felt strangely compelled to cover this story and considered it newsworthy or perhaps provide a backstory on the right is the photo of the balcony as shown in the newspaper article like i say you can go look it up and check that out this may sound innocent enough for the gullible except for the fact that the photos taken from the artist's book called The Bee Thing and used in the Times article from inside the 91st floor camp out revealed boxes stacked to the ceiling with the letters and numbering of BB-18 on the side. BB-18 is the model number for a fuse holder accessory. So why would these art students have thousands and thousands of fuse holders? Continuing on, also take note that the ceiling tiles have been totally removed and exposed the steel girders. The next little gem from the self-absorbed and freakish book Beat Thing* shows a fallen creature suggestive of a taunting calling card. The identities of the 14 art students who were on floor 91 at the time were never released to the public. The impact points of the planes were at the 93rd and 97th floor. They also, and Below they show cartoon physics of an aircraft imprinted, imprint created by its aluminum wings that could not uh, precision cut steel exterior columns. Buried and Apparently Long Forgotten is a 2002 story from the Telegraph about the US arresting and deporting 200 Israelis, some of whom posed as art students for spying and espionage activities in the lead up to 9-11. In addition, there is a DEA report on Israeli activities in the US just prior to 9-11. So much for the nonsensical theory that 19 Muslims with box cutters pulled off the crime of the century. Additionally, we have yet another coincidence. The building was powered down over a weekend prior to 9-11. So what you've got is you've got Mussad agents embedded in this art group. They got everything they need to bring those buildings down because you see they, they took the picture and showed the fuse holders and it, but they say it was 19 Muslims with box cutters that flew planes into the building and made them fall. Okay, well that's some bullshit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They played us. we got played, All of, everybody got played. And now I want to compare that to the Holocaust, okay? Now, we know, I'm not denying the Holocaust happened. I really believe it did happen. I don't believe it happened on the scale they said it happened because there wasn't six million Jewish in the area. In Germany at the time so six million Jewish could not have been killed if they weren't there now I did some research and I looked up the um American Red Cross was said that 120,000 112 120,000 were killed so there were some Jewish killed but now let's look at how that whole thing started supposedly some Jewish terrorists set fire to the German parliament, the Reichstag, and burned it down. And then Hitler used that as a precursor to go in and start snatching them up. And it was it was two-pronged. The Holocaust was two-pronged. Number one, they wanted to make it seem like Those Jewish were persecuted according to the curses in Deuteronomy, started at Deuteronomy 28.15. All right. Because that would identify them later on as the children of Israel. But of course, their their persecution didn't have nothing on the persecution of the children of Israel. Right. And you can go read the, the curses in 28, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 28.15 that will tell you what the curses would be for the children of Israel, which would identify them as the children of Israel. Um, so it was two-pronged. The second prong was it was a robbery. You got to remember, the Jewish over there was the one of the elites. They had all the money. They had all the art. They had all the, the wealth. The Germans were poor. Adolf Hitler was a poor, was poor, but he was also Jewish. Imagine that. He was also Jewish. So what they did was is they robbed him. They used the, the, the burning down of the Reichstag, but they probably are the ones. Adolf is probably the one that had the Reichstag burned down to give them an excuse. To go and jack up the Jewish so they can steal their shit. All right. So now let's let's take a step back to 9-11. Obviously, obviously, the 9 11 situation was two pronged as well. Okay. The first prong was they needed to cover up, make people stop thinking about. That $2.3 million that came up missing. Because they pocketed that. Secondly, they blamed it on the Muslims so they could go over there and steal their shit, i.e. their oil. Okay? So it's the same playbook as the Holocaust. Now, let's, let, let's jump over to the Israelis, because they use the same playbook, too, with Hamas, right? They say Hamas is shooting rockets at them, so they go over there and they, they holocaust the Palestinians. Using Hamas as the fall guy, well, it could very well be the Israelis shooting rockets at the Israelis. Because it seems like they just want to kill Palestinians. So, it's, once again, it's the same playbook. You create a monster, and then you go and you steal their shit. Because at 9-11, they wanted the oil. They didn't only want the oil, they wanted the heroin, too. And when I when the reason I say that is, if you remember, um, this would have probably been... 2009 10 maybe right in there somewhere they were handing out oxycodone synthetic heroin they was handing that out like it was candy you could go to a clinic and get 200 300 oxycodone pills no problem just pay the money and you can have them so you had most of the country hooked on oxycodone pills Now, what happened right before the war ended? Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's go back. Let's back up. Did you know that the United States was over there paying the Afghanis to continue to grow opium? They wanted to stop growing opium, and the United States was over there, had their soldiers paying them to grow opium. Why? Why would the United States, who runs a war on drugs back home and puts more Blacks, Mexicans and and, um, American Indians in jail than anybody else in the world pay the Afghanis to continue to grow opium, the main ingredient in heroin. I'm going to tell you why. Because when that war was over, there was a massive influx of heroin. And then they stopped giving out the pills. They said, oh, we have a a problem. They're giving out these pills and everybody's hooked. And so we're going to stop giving out the pills because of the health of this nation. But then, so what do the people do? If you're hooked on oxycodones, what do you do if one day you just can't get no more? You turn to heroin. Okay, so for the last 10 years, the US has been paying the Afghanis to grow heroin. And probably I feel like they were stacking it up. Because now the war is over, everybody's coming home, so is that heroin. And they got a they got a prime and ready market for all that dope. Come on. All you got to do is connect the dots. That's all you got to do is connect the dots. So then you got to ask yourself, who is the biggest drug dealer in the United States? Is it the United States? Go back to the Iran-Contra, where they where uh, Colonel Oliver North was bringing in more cocaine than the law allowed. He was a colonel in the United States Marine Corps. They have they, It's rumored that he was working for George Bush, Sr. So you gotta ask yourself, who is really selling the dope here in America? Who's doing it, man? Cause it's not the black dude or the Mexican dude on the corner. They're not they ain't got no planes and no boats to bring that shit in. I saw a meme on Facebook where a comedian said they ain't nobody worried about. People uh, bringing this cocaine in from seven, eight thousand miles away—they're not worried about it until they find it in my pocket. And that's the truth. Who's the who's the biggest drug dealer in America? Who's controlling that? Because it definitely ain't these these kids on this on the corners. They're not controlling it. They blame it on the cartels in Mexico. But it's funny how they don't shut them down. You know, there was a... um, A couple years back, I read an article where it said that the DEA left Colombia. And cocaine production dropped 11%. What does that tell you? When the DEA left Columbia, it dropped 11%. When they showed up, it didn't drop 11%. When they showed up, it went up 11%. What does that tell you? Come on, they've been playing us. They've been playing us, man. Yeah, I know we see on the news the war on drugs. And woo 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 woo, but they're the ones that that that, that are are uh, put bringing the drugs. It's a trick bag. And all you brothers, young brothers and sisters, and and my young Mexican brothers and my young Mexican sisters, and my young uh, Native brothers and my and my young Native sisters, leave that shit alone, man. Because you're helping them. You know what I'm saying? I know it's hard on us out there, man. It's hard for all our people. But we can't continue to assist these people in bringing about our destruction. We can't continue to do that. It's just like Kanye and Kyrie Irving are saying, man. Stop spending your money with them people, man. They do not have your best interest at heart. They don't have your best interest at heart. They want to see you, they wanna see you dead or in jail, but in the meantime, spend your money on our shit. Spend your money on our, our Gucci products. Spend your money on our Balenciaga products. Spend your money on our Nike products because you're making us rich while we're killing you and destroying your people. The only thing we have to do to change the paradigm of how these this, this system is going is stand up. Stop being weak to consumerism. No, you don't need that 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 Gucci shirt. You don't need them Balenciaga shoes. You know what I'm saying? You should be mad. You should be angry. that These people have been playing us like this for all this time. They've been playing us, man. Now, let's go back to Holocaust. So they say, let's give it to them. We're going to give it to them. They say that six million people died in the Holocaust. Let's give it to them. We're gonna give them that number, even though I don't believe that number. Okay. Well, in the transatlantic slave trade, hundreds of millions of blacks, Mexicans, and Native Americans died, were Holocausted. And we still being holocausted to this day. They still shooting us down in the streets to this day. Every time they shoot one of us down in the streets, that's one more number on that four or 500 million they already killed. So they holocausted, they're holocausting us every day. Our Holocaust has lasted since, since 1492. It's 2022 now, and we're still in the Holocaust. We're still in the ghettos. We're still getting killed by these people. We're still slaves. Since 1492, man. But they want to tell you, never forget the Holocaust. We we can't forget our Holocaust because it's still going on. but you want us to remember your Holocaust. Come on, man. That don't make no sense. They tell you never forget 9-11. Man, we already know that 9-11 was an inside job. Everybody knows that. And if you don't know, now you know. 9-11 9-11 was an inside job to cover up that $2.3 trillion they couldn't, that somebody put in their pocket and walked off with. And I just saw on TikTok, I just saw that a video came out, and I saw the video, and it showed a missile hitting the Pentagon, not a plane, just like when I saw it when it happened. If you go back and look at the videos of the so-called plane that hit the Pentagon, I want you to look at the grass. The grass on the way up to the hole. The shit is beautiful. Looked like it was just cut that morning. Now you tell me that a big-ass airliner hit the Pentagon, but there wasn't no oil burning on the grass? Where was all the luggage with the baby dolls and the clothes and all that shit that you usually see in an airline crash? Because in Pennsylvania, there there wasn't no shit like that either. There wasn't no luggage. There wasn't no oil and jet fuel stains. It was just a hole. It was just a hole. Go back and look at the photos. When they was picking up the plane parts, supposedly, it was a little piece of aluminum. They was picking up. And you don't remember either. This is what you don't remember. Well, I'm going to see if you remember or not. At the Pentagon, after it hit, there was six highly decorated military people because they had their uniforms on and they had the gold on the epaulettes you know, you couldn't really zoom in and see who they were because it was far off. But they came out carrying a wooden box, a long wooden box, big as a casket. Nobody knew what was in the box, though. We know what was in the box now. It was what was left of that missile. They got shot into the Pentagon. Yeah, that's what was in the box. And. Maybe you could find that picture online but I'm pretty sure they scrubbed it by now you know what I'm saying but I'm definitely sure you could find the hole on the side of the Pentagon and see that didn't no plane hit the Pentagon it was one hole come on there is there is multi-ton engines on the side of two of them on the side of that plane so even if the even if the plane went through the hole, where was the wings because the wings couldn't fit through the hole Where was the two big, where was the two big, maybe not holes, excuse me, maybe not holes in the side of the Pentagon, but them engines would have bounced off of that concrete building and left some kind of indentation. Where were those at if a plane hit the Pentagon? Now let's go back to the buildings. The buildings fell in a demolition footprint. And when I say a demolition footprint, is they pancaked. They fell straight down. Just like what happens when you do a demolition on a building. They didn't topple over and hit another building. They pancaked, just like a controlled demolition. Straight down into their footprint with people in the buildings. So they murdered all the people in the buildings. Now, another thing that they don't talk about is building seven. Building seven was blocks away, but it fell that day too. They said it was because of fires inside the building. That it made the whole building crash which was some bullshit. Okay, because BBC reported like about 30 minutes before it happened that the Building 7 had failed. So they already knew they was going to drop Building 7 too. Okay. So going back to what I was talking about, it is the same playbook they blame something on someone and then they turn around and they steal all their shit now there was another holocaust too though the, the war from September 11 that was a holocaust too how many Iraqis did they kill they said they killed 500,000 children Is that not a Holocaust, too? But my point is, we still in a Holocaust, man. And we're going to be in this Holocaust for not too much longer. Because the Most High is sending his son. He's going to be here soon. And he black as me and you. Imagine that. Yeah, I know a whole bunch of y'all turned your radio off when you heard me say that, but he is. Black as me and you. And he finna come back, man, because here's the thing. What you Europeans have done to our people is unforgivable. And the Most High believes in karma. Yeah, he believes in karma. Because In the book of Obadiah, it tells what your judgment is, you Europeans, all of y'all. Because you're the Edomites in the Bible. The Bible don't call you white. The Bible don't call us black. The Bible calls you by your biblical name. And the biblical name for you Europeans is the Edomites. And according to the Bible, and and I believe it's... um, Revelations, I want to say, uh, I can't quote it right off the top of my head, but in Revelations, it says, you Edomites got to go into slavery too now because of what you did to us. You got to do double slavery for what you did to us. Yeah. Imagine that. The Most High believes in karma. Imagine that. And I know you don't believe me. Because you feel like this is your kingdom. Because it was given into the hand of the wicked. You know what I'm saying? You feel like your kingdom is going to go on forever. But it's not. Nothing lasts forever. You ever heard that saying before? So yeah, you got to go into slavery. All the nations that took crafty counsel against the children of Israel, according to Psalms 83, Are going into captivity. You mark my words. You mark. These are the Bible's words. They're not my words. Yeah. And I can't wait. Because I'm going to be breaking backs out. When I get me some slaves. Y'all going to pay just like y'all did us. So. I mean there it is there. There were a couple of stories this week that kind of got to me, one in particular. Hold on while I bring it up. A 10-year-old boy who killed his mom. Um, this happened two days ago. Here's the headline. 10-year-old Wisconsin boy. Um, charges an adult in fatal shooting of his mother over Amazon order of a VR headset. Here is the story. Sad. A 10-year-old Wisconsin boy has been charged as an adult with first-degree reckless homicide. After he fatally shot his mother telling police he was upset, she wouldn't let him buy a virtual reality headset on Amazon. The shooting unfolded at 6.50 a.m. November 21st in the 7400 block of North 87th Avenue, excuse me, North 87th Street in Milwaukee. Just a day later, the boy went on to buy an Oculus virtual reality headset on his dead mother's Amazon account and even asked his grandmother whether his package had arrived, according to the criminal complaint. His 44-year-old mother, identified by NBC affiliate WTMJ of Milwaukee as Kiana Man, was shot at close range. The bullet entered her right eye and it exited the back of her head through her skull, the criminal complaint said. The boy initially told investigators that his mom woke him up at 6 a.m. and that he retrieved her gun from her bedroom and went to the basement where she was doing laundry, the complaint said. As he was twirling the gun around, his finger accidentally went off, the complaint said. After he killed his mother, he went to a second-story bedroom to awaken his 26-year-old sister, who discovered their mother was dead and called 911, according to the complaint. But in later interviews with the police, the boy admitted he was not twirling the gun around when he shot his mom, the complaint said. He admitted that his mother would not allow him to have something from Amazon that he wanted to have. It said and he admitted that he retrieved the gun because he was mad at her for waking him up at 6 a.m. when he usually sleeps until 630 and admitted getting his mother's keys to her gun lockbox the night before, according to the complaint. He went to the basement and took up a shooting stance, the complaint said. He said his mother walked in front of him when he tried to shoot the wall to scare her and he admitted that he shot her in the face when she was approximately three feet away, the complaint said. He then put the gun in the living room closet and woke up his sister, it said. The complaint said the boy admitted to knowing that guns are dangerous and can kill people. Okay, well, you know, that's just, that's just, that's just pitiful. That's just pitiful. And I'm going to tell you what the problem with that is. When the government came out with the rule that we could not whip our children, this is what you get. You get little thankless motherfuckers who feel like they're entitled to every goddamn thing they want. And when they don't get it, they lash out. And you know why he felt he could do that? Because there wasn't nobody whooping his ass. So he felt entitled. He felt, he felt there was nothing wrong with him getting that gun and shooting his mama. And then and then after that, to add insult to injury, he went ahead and ordered to be our headset. And called his grandma to say, Grandma, has it came yet? Ten years old. Ten years old and already a piece of shit. Imagine that. And I just don't have nothing nothing else to say about that that is that is man that is pitiful. I don't care what the government tell you, right If your child does something bad, it's your job to discipline him or her or they're gonna turn out to be like this ten year old piece of shit or worse. My mom whooped my ass if I did something wrong. She probably whooped my ass a little too much. You know what I'm saying? But she didn't have to worry about me shooting her in her eye when she told me I couldn't have no hostess ho-hos. Crazy. Just nuts. Okay, so finally... I'm going to go over some crime statistics here in the United States. Um, I'm at the um, ucr.fbi.gov crime in the US. The latest one they have is 2018. So they're missing a couple years so far, but this is the one we got to work with, so this is the one we're going to work with. So, what these crime statistics do is they list the crime and then they list the crime activity by race, right? And the reason why I want to go over this is because of that familiar story they tell that Blacks, Mexicans, and Native Americans drive crime across this country, which is utterly false, utterly false. But that's what they got all these people believing. So let's look at the crime statistics and let's see who's driving crime across this country. Okay. So the first, um, category is murder and non negligent manslaughter. In 2018, there was 8,957 murders or non negligent manslaughters in the country. Um, So the first category is the whites. The whites, according to this statistic, were responsible for 3,953 murders in 2018. Now, black African-Americans, we edged them out a little bit (laughs) because it says we were responsible for 4,778 murders. But I mean, according to players, it's tied up. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, American Indian or Alaskan Natives, they were responsible for 105. Asians, 94. Native Hawaiians or other Pacific Islanders, 27. All right. So, and then we got Hispanic or Latino, 1,473. Okay. So, in that category, black folks kind of won with the 4,778. But it's not too far from the thirty-nine fifty-three for the white Americans. So let's go to rape. There were 18,776 rapes across the country in 2018. Of that 18,776, 12,794 of the perpetrators were white. Hmm. Black or African Americans... It was 5,376, less than half of what the Europeans did. Um, American Indians were 676, Asians 641, Native Hawaiians 260, and, man, the the Hispanics and Latinos, hold on, her rate was 4,090. So, the whites win that one. They're driving... Rape by double of any other race. Um, robbery. There were six hundred sixty-six thousand seven hundred eighty-nine robberies in 2018. Of that, whites were responsible for 29,025. And we edged about on this one, too. Uh, blacks or African-Americans were 36,187. American Indians were 676. Asians were 641. And Native Americans were uh, excuse me, Hawaiian, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders were uh, 260, and Hispanics and Latinos, it looks like it was 12,823. Okay. Let's go to aggravated assault. There was 298,040 aggravated assaults in the United States in 2018. Of that, 298,000. Whites were responsible for 184,527. Blacks were responsible for 100,393. American Indians, 6,736. Asians, 5,078. Native Hawaiians, 1,306. And Hispanics or Latinos, 65,050. So, when it comes to aggravated assaults, They got, the Europeans are winning that by 85,000, 184,000 to 100,000 for the blacks. So who's really driving crime? Let's go to burglaries. There was a total of 135,000, 135,000 burglaries in the United States in 2018. White offenders were 91,581. Black offenders were thirty-nine thousand six hundred and seventeen and Latino was twenty-three thousand two hundred. So it was like of the hundred and thirty-four thousand five hundred burglaries, the Europeans were ninety-one thousand of those, ninety-two thousand of that hundred and thirty-four thousand. Let's go to larceny and theft. There were six hundred and sixty. My, but we're just going to round it off. Six hundred and seventy thousand larceny thefts. According to this, four hundred and forty nine thousand were white people of that six hundred and sixty nine. Two hundred and one thousand were black people. The Asian Americans kind of went up a little bit too. I mean, the American Indian went up to like eleven thousand. Um, larceny theft. The Hispanics or Latinos were about 79,000. So they're beating everybody by about 250,000 when it comes to larceny or thefts. Motor vehicle thefts, there was a total of 70,000. Of that 70,000, 45,000 were white who did the car thefts. Twenty two three zero five was blacks or Africans, and... Latinos were 14,390. So the whites are leading in motor theft. Arson is about 7,000 arsons. The whites had about 5,000 of those those 7,000 was done by white people. 1740 was done by black people. And let me see here. 1,050 were done by Mexicans or Latinos. Violent crimes, 392,562 in total. Of that 393,000, whites committed 230,000 violent crimes, whereas black Americans committed 146,000 violent crimes. So they're beating black Americans by 100,000 or more. Property crimes. There was 880 of, of, and Europeans were responsible for five, about 600,000 of those 880, whereas blacks were only responsible for 5,000. and um, Hispanics were, were only had 117,000. So who's driving violent crimes? Who's driving property crimes? Who's driving rapes? Who's driving robberies? Well, no, actually, the blacks were driving the robberies. Uh, But who's driving aggravated assault, burglaries, larceny, theft, motor vehicle theft, arson, violent crime, property crime? Here's one, forgery and counterfeiting. Of the 38,000 forgery and counterfeiting cases in 2018, whites did 25,140, whereas blacks did 11,637. Uh, Latinos only did about 5,300. So who's driving crime? It's not us. It's not black folks. It's not Mexicans. It's definitely not Native Americans. But we the ones that get shot down in the street, though. Forgery and counterfeiting. 37,000 cases. 25,000 were white people, 11,000 were black people, and 5,300 were Latinos. Fraud, 89,600 cases. 60,000 of those 89,000 cases were done by white Europeans. 28,387 were done by black folks, and nine ninety-six hundred were done by Latinos. So who's driving this thing, man? How come it's always people saying, oh, we're scared of the black people? Why are you scared of us? We're not doing the crime. The FBI's own statistics tell you that it's the Caucasians doing the crime. You should be scared of them. You shouldn't be scared of us. Sex offenders. 35,000 cases. Of those 35,000 cases, 25,000 are whites. There are 8,400 are blacks and about 7,500 are Latinos. But that's 25,000 sex offenders. And that's not including rape and prostitution. That's just sex offenses. Drug abuse violations. It was a million two hundred and thirty four thousand drug abuse violations eight hundred and seventy one thousand three hundred were white people three hundred and thirty three thousand were black people. two hundred eleven thousand were latinos so that's so that's like eighty percent of the drug abuse violations are white people but It's all black folks. It's crackheads, right? All black folks are on crack. Or doing some kind of drug. Right? Wrong. Very wrong. Offenses against the family and children. 65,000 cases. Of those 65,000 cases, 45,000 are white people. Offenses against their family and their children. 18,500 are black people and 59, I mean, 6,000 are for the Latinos. Driving under the influence. 737,000 cases. 597,000 are white folks. 108,000 are black folks and 147,000. Are Latinos are you are you getting it? Are you understanding what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make? Blacks and Latinos and all the other races outside of the European Caucasian do not drive crime in these streets. It's the Caucasians. But when you look at the news, they always blame it on us. And we tired of that. We tired of y'all blaming us for shit y'all do. We tired of y'all blaming us for shit y'all do. So I'm gonna leave it right there, man. Because this is kind of making me mad. <laughs> But, hey, I want to thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk About It with Big Co. Hopefully we taught you something and we showed you something that you didn't know before. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring about that change. And to all my fellow Hebrews, you know what I'm saying? All we got to do is stand up. Once we stand up, we win. So Kwam Asherala, all praise to the Most High. This is Big Co signing off.